chapter 1, Daniel chapter 1, and as I was preparing for the message this morning, I asked myself a question, what is faith? You know, we, uh, we talk about it in church a lot, and I, I believe we should talk about it in church a lot, but what is faith? And um, I, I spent some time contemplating that question in my own life, and the first thing I thought of was what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And uh, I, I pondered that for a little while and thought on it. And then I did started reading and doing some research. And I want to share with you what a few other uh, a few theologians uh, say about faith. A guy named Oswald Chambers wrote this. Faith from my deliverance is not faith in God. Faith means... Whether I am visibly delivered or not, I will stick to my belief that God is love. There are some things only learned in a fiery furnace. Something for us to think about. Faith, you know, faith says I'm going to stick with it whether I'm delivered or not. George Mueller wrote this. Faith does not operate in the realm of, possi- of, of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. Another powerful thought. But my favorite that I read was from a guy named William Booth. He was the founder of the Salvation Army. And he said this, Faith and works should travel side by side, step answering step. Let the leg of, of men's walking, excuse me, like the legs of men walking. First faith, then works, then faith again, then works again, until they can scarcely distinguish which is the one and which is the other. So again, I ask the question, what is faith? Faith is something, if, if we can explain it within our own power, then is it faith? We're going to look at one really important key what, that I believe one important key to faith this morning. There is one thing that we are going to see as we study the life of Daniel, uh, um, Azariah, Hananiah, Mishael, these four men, faithful men in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel. We're going to see over and over and over again them exercising their faith. But there's one thing, there's one part of, fa- of this journey of faith that changed their lives. And there's that same element of faith can change our lives as well. 
We'll get there in a minute. I have a picture for you. This is uh, a guy named Hudson Taylor. Uh, He lived from 1832 to 1905. He was a British Baptist uh, Christian missionary to China and founder of the China Inland Mission. Taylor spent 54 years in China. The, The society that he began was responsible for bringing over 800 missionaries into the country of China. They started 125 schools. They were directly responsible for well over 20,000 Christian converts and as well established more than 300 stations within all 18 provinces of China. Question, how did Hudson Taylor get to that point in his life? Well, we know faith, but how did he get there? The answer is found when he was a young man. Young Hudson Taylor grew up in London knowing that he was going to go to China one day. So in his preparation for his journey to China, he resolved that he would learn before leaving England how to trust God through prayer. He worked for a doctor who paid, paid him quarterly. When the time drew near to receive a salary, Taylor was disturbed that his employer said nothing about it. Taylor had only one half-crown piece. I don't know how much that is, but it didn't sound like much. But he was determined not to break his resolution and ask for his salary. He just prayed and trusted God to take care of it. While visiting a needy family on the Lord's Day, Taylor felt led by God to give his last coin to this needy family. The next day, he received an anonymous gift through the mail, four times what he had given the previous day. The following Saturday, the doctor finished up his work and said, Taylor, is is not your salary due again? And Taylor told him that it it was and uh, became disappointed when he learned that the doctor had deposited all his money in the bank and had no cash to pay him. He prayed. He prayed. And he prayed. Because he had bills to pay himself but he just prayed and left it with the Lord. That evening, the doctor visited him and said one of his richest patients had come over after hours to pay his bill. He gave the money to Taylor, who rejoiced. He had learned that he could trust God in England, and he could trust God in China.
See, his faith started when he was a young man. He didn't, he didn't go to China and begin his journey of faith. His faith started way before that. And we, we see these great men of, and women of faith and we think, how in the world do they ever accomplish that? And it's because they were faithful when they were young. And we see this in the life of Daniel and, and his three friends. The, best, the title of my message is this, putting faith, or faith put to the test. Excuse me, faith put to the test. Look at Daniel chapter 1. Let's start reading in verse 8. It says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he would not defile himself. For God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your face worse than the children which are of your sort? Then shall ye make me uh, endanger my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servant, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Pulse sounds disgusting okay but it, it just means vegetables okay that's you know basically they he's saying give you know we'll we'll just eat vegetables and water <clears throat> then let our countenance be looked upon before thee and the countenance of the children they'd eat the portion of the king's meat and as thou seest deal with thy servants so he can Sented unto them in the mat in this matter, and proved them ten days, and at the end of ten days their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flat in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink, and gave them pulse. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you again for your love. And Lord, I ask as we look at this very important passage that you would challenge our thinking, that you would help us to understand who you are and what you are in our lives. Thank you for your love. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hudson Taylor learned as a young boy to put his faith to the test. He learned to trust in the Lord. And as I thought about Hudson Taylor and I thought about Daniel, I thought about, I had this thought how can we trust God if how can we trust God in matters of faith if we can't trust Him here and now? 
How could a guy like Hudson Taylor trust God to take care of his needs in China if God was not able to meet his needs in London? How could a guy like Daniel learn to trust God in, in, in major ways if he could not trust God to take care of something so minor as his dietary needs? My first point this morning is the attitude of faith. And we, we talked about this some last week, and I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I, I do want to talk about it because it's important. The attitude of faith. Daniel had determined, in verse 8 it says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. He had he had the attitude, the right attitude, that he was not going to defile himself. We would call it conviction today. That's he was he had a conviction that he was going to not eat what he knew was not good for him. Daniel was determined, he was passionate and he was courageous. We talked about all that last week. And Daniel's name means God is my judge. And one of the things, again, that we're going to see over and over and over in Daniel's life is the fact that he did not allow his peers to pressure him to do something that he knew was wrong. He did not allow the public opinion or even the king who could have taken his life at any moment. He did not allow any of those things to sway him from his convictions. He was courageous. He was passionate. But he was also polite about it as well. And we talked about that last week. And so, I, I again, I just wanted to, to bring that up because the first two words in verse 8, but Daniel. Daniel was willing to stand alone. And there are times in our lives where oftentimes... God will put us in situations where we will feel the same way. They were the only ones wanting to do right. But Daniel. So, very quickly, point one, the attitude of faith. Daniel had a great attitude toward his faith. Number two, the progression of faith. The progression of faith. And this is this is very important. Look at verse 9. It says, Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of eunuchs. At the beginning of the message, I, I made this statement. I'm going to read it to make sure I get it right. There is one thing that we are going to see over and over in the life of Daniel, Daniel uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That one thing changed their lives. That one thing changes can change our lives. That one thing is the progression of faith. Now I want you to think about this: the progression of faith. There are two aspects to the progression of faith. 
We're going to see it in the life of these four men. You see it in the life of Hudson Taylor. And you see it in the life of any faithful believer who walks with God for any amount of time. The progression of faith. Number one, we must take the first step. We must take the first step. Now, I want you to tell me what the first two words in verse 8 is. But Daniel. Now, look at verse 9. What are the first two words in verse 9? Now God. But Daniel, he stood and he did right. Now God. Do you see the progression? Daniel had to take the first step. Daniel had to stand for right in order for God to do the work in the heart of Melser, the, the prince of the eunuchs. The progression is this. Daniel stepped out in faith and then God took care of the rest. But Daniel had to take the step. Now, I can only speak for myself. But there have been times in my life that I have stood in one spot and I have made this comment, God, if you will make the first step, then I will follow. Anybody else have ever done that? Okay, I'm, I'm not the only one, okay? But that is that faith. See, this is the question. What is faith? If, if God makes the first step, is that faith? No, that's following. Faith demands that I make the first step. And then God. Let me read you a couple passages to help clarify my thinking here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. How do we get all these things added unto us? By seeking God first. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 30. Excuse me, 28 through 30. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Okay, let's look at this verse here. What is, what is the prerequisite for rest? Coming. Let's look at the next verse. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am <clears throat> meek and lowly in heart, and I, or, or, excuse me, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. Again, what is the prerequisite of rest? Taking. Verse 30, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, 
and ye shall find rest unto your soul, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. See, it is us taking the initiative to step out by faith to do the impossible. Second Kings chapter 5 is a story that has always been very intriguing to me. There's a guy named Naaman involved in this story. And Naaman is a Syrian. And he is, he is the enemy of, of the, the people of Israel. And that's why this story has always been so intriguing to me. But let's, let's read and go through this story here. Uh, in Second Kings chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, Now Naaman, the captain of the host of the king of Syria, again, the enemy of Israel, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by company and brought away captives out of the land of Israel, a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord be with the prophet that is in Samaria? For he would recover him from his leprosy. So Naaman's wife talks to talks to him, and it's, it becomes this whole big deal. Anyway, to to for time's sake, I need to condense the story down. The king of Syria sends Naaman to the land of Israel, to the king of Israel with a basically with a note saying, "Hey, you know, uh, we hear there's a guy in Israel that can heal my 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 number one soldier here." which to me is a strange thing to begin with, why he would do that. But anyway, because uh, they're enemies. But Naaman eventually makes his way to Elisha. Elisha, he comes to Elisha and he, and he, and he um, <coughs> excuse me, Elisha uh, hears about him and knows he's coming. So when he gets there, <coughs> Elisha does not go out to meet him. He sends out a messenger. Again, this is, this is like super rude. Because this is an important guy. It would be like the, the, like the Secretary of Defense coming to your house and, and, and you open the door and just shut the door in his face. I mean, I, I mean that's the equivalent of this. So they, so so Naaman comes to Elisha, and Elisha <clears throat> very rudely sends out his messenger, and he gives him a message, and he says, "Hey, go to the Jordan River, and and wash yourself seven times." Well, Naaman cops an attitude. Number one, because Elisha didn't come out and tell him that. But the biggest problem was the Jordan River. The Jordan, is, the Jordan River was and is 
a muddy river. It's, it's a nasty river. I've, I, I should have gotten a picture of it, and I forgot. But I've seen pictures of it, and it's just, it's like a, a, a river of mud almost. It's nasty. And, and, and Naaman, Naaman cops an attitude, and so it will pick up the story in verse 13. <clears throat> and his servant came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do something great, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith, Wash and be clean? And he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. And he returned to the man of God and all his company and came and stood before him and said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in, the, in all the earth but in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. And, and Elisha refuses it. He, he says, no, I don't want your money. But what is, the, what, is, what is the purpose of me reading this and telling this story? How did Naaman, an enemy of Israel, get clean from leprosy? By faith. He trusted what Elijah told him. But when did the cleansing take place? After the washing. After he washed himself seven times. See, Naaman had to step out by faith and trust the word of Elijah, Elisha. He had to step out in faith and he had to do what Elijah told him to do. As ridiculous as it sounded, he needed to step out in faith. And what was the result of the faith? Healing, but more importantly, the recognition that there was a God in Israel. What do you think would have happened if Elijah had, when, when Naaman had come out, come to Elijah initially and, and, and Elijah walked out and he, and he just you know, slapped him on the forehead and said, be healed and, and his leprosy went away. What do you think would have happened in the mind of Naaman? Exactly. Elisha did the miracle. But because of the way Elisha did it, who got the glory? God did. But, let me say this, and I believe it with all my heart. Had Naaman not gone to the Jordan and washed himself, I believe with all my heart he would have died from the leprosy. See, the healing only took place after the washing. Daniel would have never seen 
the working of God in the heart of Mouser had he not been faithful to stand for right and take that first step. Hudson Taylor would never have seen the result in China had he not learned to trust God in London as a young boy. The progression of faith. Number one, or letter A, we must take the first step. Letter B, faith starts small, but grows. Our, our, our verse this year, <clears throat> Daniel chapter 6, verse 16. You can turn there. It would be easier for me to read it than try and read it off the wall. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 6 and verse 16 says this, then the king commanded, and, and, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. He will deliver thee. How did Daniel get to the point? Well, I have another picture for you. Obviously, we don't know how accurate this picture is, that, you know, but... This is an incredible painting, very famous painting of Daniel in the den of lions. Now, again, we don't know what this den looked like. We don't know how many lions there were. But I love this painting because it shows a man who is in complete control. He's not scared. How does someone get to this point in their life when you are in the midst of a den of lions that are wanting to devour you? It all started, I believe, when he was a teenager, standing for right, wanting to be pure, And willing to take a stand. Let me share with you another example. David. Most of you know who David was. David was the king of Israel at one time. But before he was the king of Israel, when he was a teenager, he did something crazy. He took on a guy named Goliath. David was a teenager and he'd come to the battle and, and, and uh, Dan, uh, Goliath was insulting the king of Israel or, or the, the God of Israel. And David got upset and as a teenager he heard the insults of this giant and he says, I am going to take on this guy. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 32. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this, with his, with this Philistine. How does someone have the faith to go fight Goliath? 
And there are times in our lives where we, we see people and they, we see the things that they deal with and we think, we think there is no way on God's green earth I could, I could go through what they are going through. And yet they do it with the grace and with the, 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 the peace of God in their lives. And, you would, and, and, and we think in our hearts and our minds, I couldn't do it that way. If God ever brought me through that event, I could never handle it like they are handling it. And we think that, that's, that's just inc- incredible. But how, how did David have the faith to walk up to the king of Israel and say, hey, you know what? Don't worry about it, king. I'll take it. I'll take care of it. Again, David was a teenager, probably very similar to the age of Daniel at this point. How does a young man have that kind of faith? The answer is found in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 33 and following. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and uh, there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I, <coughs> excuse me, and I went out after him and smote him, and and delivered it out of his mouth. And <coughs> when he arose against me, I caught him by the beard and smote him and slew him. And thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. And David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the hand, uh, out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, for the Lord be with thee. And we all know the result. Hopefully we do. Uh, David goes and he fights the Philistine and, and he wins. How does he win? By the hand of God. A little stone and a sling. A little, little bit of history for you if you've never paid attention to this. Have you ever seen ancient armor? back when the Romans and, and all that stuff, and they always had these little metal hel- helmets <clears throat> and shields and everything. Prior to the battle with Goliath, there was never a little piece of metal that came down over the forehead. But after that battle, guess what they added? That little piece of metal. Why? Because God directed that stone right here. How does a young man like David have the faith to go up against a giant? Because of what God had already done in his life. God had already proven himself faithful to allow David to kill a lion and a bear with his bare hands. And he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that will defy the armies of the living God? 
Simply put, it was just another step of faith in the life of David. Now granted, it was a big step. But it was just another step. And Hudson Taylor was the same way. How could he go to China and accomplish all the things that he did in China? Because he allowed God the opportunity to work in his heart and his life in London. How does Daniel get to the point where he can stand in the midst of, uh, of starving lions with peace and contentment? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Azariah, Mishael, and, Az- and, and the other guy. I forget. Anyway, too many names. How, how do they get thrown into the fiery furnace and not worry about it? What do they say? They say to the king, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, we'll, we'll get there eventually. But they, they look at the king and they say, you know what, king? It doesn't matter if we die in the fiery furnace or not. It, that, that, that's beside the point. We're not going to bow down. And they get thrown in the fiery furnace. How do people get to that point in their lives where they, where they have the ability to stand and do right in the face of death? Because they allow God to start working in their hearts in the little things. And they learn to trust God in the little things. And then they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually, they're doing wonderful, incredible things. For God. The progression of faith. And then in closing, very quickly, I'm almost done. <clears throat> the result of faith. The result of faith. We're going to see two results in, of faith. And every time, every time we step out in faith and we allow God to work in our lives, there are always two results. The first one, <clears throat> very quickly, is the answer. The answer. In this case, in Daniel, we see that, that Melzar uh, finds favor and he says, okay, we're going to do this test for 10 days. And after 10 days, they actually had put on weight. They looked healthier. And so what did he do? He changed the diet of everybody. All the other guys were probably really mad. How many of you would, never mind. Um, how many of us need to, no, 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 I don't want to go there. Yeah, I know. I got to preach into meddling. <clears throat> God did a miraculous thing. The four young men were healthier. Melzar saw their faith. And they could maintain their purity. The answer. The second result of faith every single time. Not only do we see the answer. Number two. Their faith was strengthened. And every time we step out in faith. And we allow God to do something miraculous in our lives. We see wonderful, wonderful things happen. We see answers that, that only God can do. 
But more importantly, it'll strengthen our faith so that the next time when something bigger happens, we can draw on that and say, you know what, God answered this, He can do this. And we look at the lives of people like David and Daniel and uh, 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 his three friends. I don't want to try their names again. Um, and, and Moses. And, and, and we can go on and on and on. And Ruth and, and name after name after name after name. And we say, how in the world did they accomplish that? Because they started back here with little things. And we look, we look at a guy like Hudson Taylor and we say, how in the world did he accomplish all that in, in the country of China? Because he was willing to trust God in London for a paycheck that he didn't get. And God showed himself strong. And how are you going to grow in your faith? It's the same way. Trusting God in the little things and allowing Him to grow you in your faith. Years ago, when I worked at the college that I I, I attended and worked at, I got a call from the president of the college one day and he says, he said, Rick, I need to I need to see you. He, he said, I need to see you like right now. Yeah, that's why. I <laughs> and uh, so I went in. I, you know, I said, yes, sir, what can I do for you? And he said, he said um, if we had the money to do a, this huge, huge building project, I mean, this thing was massive. He said, could you have it done in two months? <laughs> I said, I said, what? Are you kidding me? He said, if we had the money, could you get it done? And it had to be a certain day. Could not just, an, a, 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 I mean, by that day. And I said, if God is in it, it'll be done. And we watched God do the miraculous. And we we literally got the certificate of occupancy <clears throat> the day before the day he needed. How did I learn to trust God like that? Because I had seen God do many, many other things in my life. But God used that in my life when he said, he, he told my wife and I, hey, I, I want you to move to Fernley and start Grace Baptist Church. Uh, yeah, no. But I saw what he had done there. And I thought, you know what? If God is in it, it'll happen. That's how faith works. And so often we stop at, we, we stop at the answer. And we say, oh, praise God. But we fail to realize that because of the progression of faith, the stepping out in faith, and the growth of faith, we see the strengthening of faith. 
And if there is ever going to be anything that is going to change our lives, it is going to be because we see God working. Step by step, day by day in our lives. All we have to do is take the first step. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. And Lord, thank you for never giving up on us. I am so thankful and grateful for all that you do in our lives. I do ask that as we close our service this morning, that you would challenge us with this concept of the progression of our faith. It is so important. Help us, dear God, to be willing to make that first step. We are so thankful and grateful. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just let, let me ask you just one